You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. So many of you know that um, that I actually ha- have the opportunity to help churches throughout our denomination, especially in the Southeast District in the six-state region. And so from time to time, I travel. I recently heard a story. I did not witness this myself, though I wish I would have. Um, but I heard this story about this lady who also, for her job, she had to travel a lot. And so she gets... She doesn't like to fly, though. And so she um, decides that what she does to calm herself is she takes her Bible on the flight, she gets it out, and she reads her Bible during the flight, because otherwise she would be very anxious. And so she's done this many times, and she gets on a flight, and she sits down next to this guy, and when she pulls out her Bible, you know, they kind of get up in the air, and then she pulls it out to read. He kind of looks over and kind of does one of those... (laughs) kind of things and says nothing else but just did this little chuckle thing and so I guess it, I guess he can't take it after a while he just has to say more and so at some point he turns to her and um, he said uh, you don't really believe all that stuff do you and she said of course I do it's the Bible and he went on to tell her that he was an atheist and that he didn't believe the Bible and he didn't believe you know uh, all of that stuff in there that it was really just a book of fairy tales and um, which I think is pretty bold to tell somebody that you're flying next to, you know, you're just believing fairy tales. So he's trying to prove his point to her. You know, at this point now he's like defending this thesis statement he's made, uh, though it's not much of a thesis. And he says to her, you know, for example, like uh, I can absolutely prove to you that the Bible is fake. It's, I mean, just think about that story. Um, you know, some guy is swallowed by you know a whale and uh, that just proves that the bible is fake and so she turns to him and she says oh you're talking about jonah the story of jonah no that's a real story it's it and and it really happened and it's in the bible and i believe it and um he said well um how do you know you know how do you how do you explain how he's lived in the whale for that length of period of time. She said, I really don't know. He said, well, you know, there's your problem. She said, well, it's okay. She says, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him. And he chuckles again. He says, well, well, what if he's not there? You know, he's, now he's knocking on heaven, right? He says, well, what if he's not there? And she says, well, if, if he's not there, then you can ask him. <laughs> I love it. So we are beginning our much-anticipated Jonah series uh, today. Uh, How many of you started using your devotionals? You started doing that. So if you didn't get one, we have extras uh, on your way out. You can get these. These are for all ages. The artwork was done by Pastor Luke Lang, our middle school uh, uh, pastor at the Cornelius campus. He used to be a professional cartoonist, and you can tell it if you look at the artwork. But... um, for those of you who didn't hear about this, there are devotions in here. One is a pre-devotion. It would be done like before you came to church on Sunday. It's like leading you into the sermon. It's not a duplicate of the sermon, but kind of leads you into the thoughts of where you're going. And then there's one that will be done that's a post-devotional. And so after today's sermon, sometime in the next couple of days, you would do that one. And then later on in the week, you would do the pre-devotional leading into the next sermon. So anyway, we have those available for you. If you didn't get one, we can get one at, at Guest Central. So my favorite story, though, of Jonah, related to Jonah, modern-day story, actually happened at Grace Covenant Academy. So Grace Covenant, uh, in the Cornelius campus, there was an elementary school. And the director of the, the uh, school, her name is Kim Goodwin. 
And so one day she had a, a parent call her and request a meeting that they were having horrible behavior problems from their kindergartner this year since she started school. So this was um, when they started school, the family did not mark as having any church home when they you know, applied to go to the school. And this was their first year in the school. And so the lady gets there and she begins to tell uh, Mrs. Goodwin, she says, yeah, she says, um, we're having problems. We're having attitude and behavior problems since uh, our daughter's coming home because she's, she's like coming home with these fantasy stories that she's making up and she's, uh, she's insisting that they're true. And, you know, we just don't put up with this. And you could tell that the lady had this, um, you know how some people have this literal orientation to the way they live their life? You know, you could tell she, she, she lived life kind of a literal orientation. Um, and so she was really having a problem with this young daughter coming home and not, you know, it's okay to have make-believe, but let's just define it as make-believe. Let's don't, let's don't call it truth. And, um, and this is a kindergarten. And so, uh, she said, well, you know, what Kim said, well, tell me, like, what's happening? And she said, well, the worst one was she came home the other day and she was insisting that, uh, this man got swallowed by a whale and lived to tell about it and that that was a real story and we i mean we kept trying to tell her honey that's make-believe that's fairy tale and she goes no it's real it's real and so we you know we had to put her in time out and all these kind of things and so kim goes well the funny thing is is that that's actually a story that's in the bible and so she began to tell her this story of Jonah and the whale, and she began to talk to her about the truth of God's word and that how we believe it to be completely true, and explain that to her. And the lady says, I've never heard this in my life. I've never read the Bible. I've never been to church. I don't know any of this. You're telling me that this is truth. And so Kim began an extended opportunity to sow the word of God into this woman, into this family, because their daughter went home telling people that Jonah really happened. And they had never, the woman had never heard the, tr- the story of Jonah. Now that, that, that shocks me just a little bit. I mean, I grew up in church, so I've heard it a lot. But you kind of think in America, a lot of people have heard the story of Jonah. But this woman had never, ever heard it. Um, I'm just here to tell you this morning that the book of Jonah is not a fable. It's not an allegory. It's not a, a wild tale. It's a truth. It's a true story about a real man. He was a real prophet. He lived in a real city called um, Gath Heifer. That's a wild name for a town, but Gath Heifer was the, uh, where he was from. And, um, and he was invited on a, on a mission, just like the Blues Brothers. He was invited on a mission from God. Uh, the problem was he didn't want to take it. Um, but today's story this morning... We want to begin and start to talk about responding to God's invitation. That's our sermon this morning. Have you ever been asked? I didn't want to clear my throat in your ears. Um, have you ever been invited to do something or to go somewhere, participate in an event or something like that? And as soon as you heard it, the, I mean, like you were like, no, no, no. That's not me. How many of you have ever been in a situation like that? I'll give you a perfect example. Pastor Farrell, he does not in any way, shape, form, or fashion like amusement parks. 
if you were to come up and give, extend this fantastic invitation to him to go to the amusement park with your family, he would probably politely decline and then probably he would immediately turn and walk away as quickly as possible so as to not engage into a conversation because he, he just disdains uh, amusement parks. He just doesn't like it. He wouldn't like the invitation. It would not feel like to him in any way that like it was something great same way with um pastor jeff buchanan how many of you know pastor jeff buchanan he used to come and fill in some here uh pastor jeff buchanan um in no way shape form or fashion would you uh ever uh invite him to any type of athletic event he is, he is an artsy person. He does not like football, NASCAR, baseball, basketball, soccer, ping pong, tennis. He does not like any of it. He is, that is, he is not his wiring. And his wife is just the opposite. She, he, he bought her a subscription to NFL ticket for their wedding anniversary. And she watches it nonstop. Like as soon as she gets home on Sunday afternoon, it is on and it is on to the end. And she is a Jets fan. She is an obnoxious Jets fan, right? But for him, right, the invitation to go to a Carolina Panthers game would would just like it would just make him cringe, right? And the invitation to take him down to a NASCAR race, oh, he would probably go into hives. He he would. He just it's not an invitation that would be enjoyable or that he would say we would want to do. And I get that, you know. I love Christmas. Sometimes my wife says I'm a little bah humbug. I love Christmas. I love Christmas decorations. But please do not invite me to come and decorate your tree with you. I would be more apt to hold your darling precious baby with a stinky diaper than decorate your Christmas tree. It's just I don't like the decorating process. I don't know why. But to involve myself in that, it just, ugh, it's just not fun. Right? It's not really an invitation. It's more like work. There are some things, though, that each of us is asked to do from time to time, and we would just rather run the other direction. i give you a perfect example. For me, again, I may get in a little trouble for this after church. But recently, on a Friday afternoon, my wife asked me, she called me on the phone, and she said, Honey, would you like to go shopping at Michael's with me? Now, I'm just going to say, I may have wanted to say no. I may have wanted to be busy. I may have wanted to go somewhere else. But how many of you know there's only one answer to that question? That's the answer. I am intuitive to know that there is one answer. See, because for her, the invitation was more about spending time together. It was about creating deeper relationship. And I had to understand that, right? If you understand that, then you can put up with like the environment of, you know, all those fake flowers and stuff. Right? But it's like this. God is continually inviting us into a deeper relationship with himself. And he's inviting us to partner with him in his work in the world. But our response determines the outcome. Now, my response to Susan was, sure, dear, I would love to spend time with you. I'm leaving here right now, and I will meet you there. And that is a quote. 
That's what I said. And when I did, we had a great afternoon together. We really did. But with that in mind, we have to look at this story today. Jonah was a prophet from the town of Gath Heifer. We found that in 2 Kings 14, where he was from. It says, which was located four miles north of Galilee. He was invited by God to be a part of a redemptive mission to the wicked Assyrian people. And he didn't want to go. I mean, that's just the truth of it. He did not want to go. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. Today, where um, Nineveh is, it's actually the ruins of Nineveh are, are located outside of the city of Mosul. How many of you heard about Mosul and all the stuff that goes, it's been going on in northern Iraq for the last couple of years? It's a stronghold, right? They've been, ISIS had it for a long time, that kind of thing. It's still there today. Um, but back then it was inhabited by people who were depraved and violent. And Jonah had no interest in going there. He had no desire whatsoever to preach a message of repentance. Because the Ninevites were idol worshippers. They were enemies of the nation of Israel, and they were known for their cruelty to foreigners. But yet God is asking him to go there. And so that's where we are when we come into our text, beginning in Jonah chapter 1. And I'm going to read the first six verses, and that's our text for today. It says this, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each one cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten up the ship. But Jonah had gone below the deck where he lay, and he fell asleep into a deep sleep. So the captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we'll not perish. This morning, I think I have a small map of this area. So here you have... Um, Gath Heifer, that's where Jonah's from. And instead of heading northeast to Nineveh, when God says, here's what I want you to do, he actually heads a few miles south to Joppa and jumps on a ship. And he's headed to Tarshish, which is basically in Spain. He is headed not only away, the opposite direction, but probably four to five times the distance away from where he's supposed to be going. So God called Jonah to this great city to deliver this message of this coming disaster due to the wickedness in the land. This is his nation's greatest enemy at that time. And they've actually had horrible atrocities uh, in the past. For us today, this would probably be like being asked to go preach to either ISIS or maybe to a white supremacist group. Like it's your, these are people who have not done well in the past, right? And you're being asked to go and preach or go and speak to those. And so rather than following God's direction, Jonah says, I'm going to go the other way and I'm going to go as far as I can get. The problem is this. When you and I run from God, there's no place to hide. 
There's no place to hide. Psalms 139, David said this. He said, where can I go to flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and you'll hold me fast. See, we can hide our head in the sand like an ostrich whenever God uh, asks us to do something, but it really doesn't mean anything. Why? You're still visible. You're not really hidden. You're right there, and he sees you. He sees each of us. Just as God is calling Jonah, so he calls each of us. Sometimes the assignments are small. Sometimes they're big. But they're all significant. And when God calls, like Jonah, we have a decision to make. You and I have to make the decision. Today's outline, uh, this is another red-letter day in the life of Grace Covenant. There are only two points in a sermon. I can't remember the last time we had two points to a sermon. It's much more common that we have three, four, five, six, nine, or twelve, but we have two sermons, two points this morning. And it's basically this. You can disobey, disobey and you can run from God, or you can obey and run with Him. And that's really the gist of it. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. We can disobey and we can run from God, and there's lots of reasons why people run from God. Sometimes it's because of the sin in their life, because they love their sin. They don't want to give up what they do and how they do it or where they are. And they, they, there's some things about the life that they're living that they feel like that this, is, this is what I want. This is, who I, this, is, this is just what I want. I don't want that. I want this. And so they choose to stay there. Sometimes we run from God because of fear. Um, sometimes we're afraid that God's going to control us. Or we're afraid that God is going to cost us too much. And so we, we run in fear to, uh, from him and from his presence, from what he would ask us to do. Sometimes we run from God because of bitterness. Because the reality is, is I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but people blame God for tragic stuff that happens when he really didn't have any part in it. But he gets blamed for it. And sometimes bitterness... We run from God because we, we blame him for that. And if he's for that, then we don't want any part of that. Sometimes we run from God because of anger. Sometimes we feel like justice is not being served. It's not happening the way it should. This is not what should be happening. And if that's the case, then out of my anger for my choice for justice, then I'm going to run from what appears and looks like God. But here's the problem. When we run from God, it leads us down three roads. It leads us down the road of disappointment. Jonah 1.3, it said this, that Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the ferry, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. I'm sure that the disappointments were in a lot of different areas. I'm sure that Jonah disappointed his family when he got on this ship to go someplace else. He obviously had, it doesn't say how big of a family he had, if he was married or anything like that, but obviously he had some, some sense of family, friends, and he left. He just up and packed and took off, hightailed it the other direction. I'm sure someone at home was disappointed. I'm sure that um, about... 
three hours into this uh, tour on the SS Minnow that he took, I am sure that he was disappointed in how he wasted his money to get on this ship and run the other direction. You know, he was disappointed. But I think the biggest disappointment is God's. There is a road of disappointment that that God is disappointed in this. And I kind of come to that from the vantage point of my own life. I know that when I ask someone whom I love, and I'm counting on them, whether it be a family member, a spouse, a kid, or a friend, or a co-worker, or a church member, if I'm, if I'm asking someone to, to help, to participate, to be involved in something, and they up and leave you high and dry, or actually just run in the other direction, there's a disappointment that each of us feels in our lives when we've had that happen. We've asked someone, someone we're counting on, someone we love, and they choose to just go do the opposite. There's a disappointment. Every parent knows what that is. But it happens to us in lots of other relationships too. I think the same way. I think God is disappointed in that. But it's not just a road of disappointment, it's a road of disasters. In verses 4 and 5, it talks about that the Lord sent this wind on the sea and there was a violent storm that threatened to break up, uh, a violent storm that threatened to break up the ship. And that all the sailors were afraid, they cried, they threw all the all the goods uh, on the cargo off the ship. So there's this violent storm, right? It threatens to endanger the ship. That's one disaster. The second disaster is um, this, this same storm threatens to endanger the sailors. That's a, that's a second disaster. They've had to throw all their cargo overboard. Well, I don't know who owns that cargo at that moment, but somebody's going to pay, I can tell you that. right? That's a disaster. And then there is this little bit of terrorism that happens in their lives because if you go on and read the story, and we didn't read this far today, but they come and and, uh, Jonah actually says, the only way this is going to stop is if you throw me into the sea. And they they said no, and they went back to doing their other thing for a little while because they're realizing that the only option that they have is to harm someone. And there's 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 a tragedy in that, right? There's a disaster in the thought of that. So there's all of these disasters that are lining up um, in the midst of this thing because Jonah took the road, the road of disobedience. So running from God is a road of disappointments, road of disaster. It's also a road of demise. We didn't read this part in the story, but if you go on down into verse 15, it says that when they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and that the raging sea grew calm. But the thing was, is they're throwing this man into his certain death. They didn't know a fish was going to get him. But at some point, he's either going to drown or, or sharks would get him, right? They're throwing this man overboard not to uh, send him out for a little swim and bring him back in. They're throwing him out for good. And so there's this road of demise that's happening when you and I choose to go the other way, and when we choose to, to disobey or to choose another direction away from God, away from his love, away from his presence, away from uh, where he's leading, it's certain death. There's a spiritual death in there. Genesis says that for us to be separated and away from God brings us to a point of death and demise. Not only will this disobedience open our lives to consequences, but most of the time it impacts others negatively also. 
And so that's why we have this choice, but I'm not recommending that we follow Jonah. What I am recommending is that we obey and we run not from God, but run with God. And that's our second point today. How can we obey and run with him? See, when we run with God, there is, it is not at all like uh, running with the bulls in Pamplona, Italy. There is no potential peril running with the Lord. There isn't uh, danger. It's not a road filled with danger at every turn. But when we run with the Lord, it's a road of purpose. In Jonah chapter 1, in, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Jonah chapter 3, um, I added a couple of verses to this, but uh, I want to look at verses 1 through 3 here in just a second. Now I'm just going to tell you, I haven't always understood everything um, when God has invited me to do something. I don't always understand everything he wants from me or everything he's asking me to do. And I haven't always been excited when the Lord asks me to do something. But I can tell you this, I have eventually at some point understood that there was a purpose. In Jonah chapter 3, after Jonah is headed back towards Nineveh again, it says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And he said, go to the city of Nineveh and proclaim it, proclaim to it the message I give you. And it says that Jonah obeyed in uh, the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. See, God had a reason. He had a purpose for Jonah to go. Ephesians 2.10, for me, this is a really key verse in, in my life. Because in reading it, I realize that God has a purpose for each of us. Ephesians 2.10 talks about that each of us, um, that God has created these these significant moments in advance for us to do. If you read Ephesians 2.10. And I believe that this was kind of Jonah's Ephesians 2.10 moment. Probably the most significant thing that God ever asked this prophet to do was to go into this town where for all intents and purposes, he would probably be killed. These were They were known for their cruelty. They were enemies of his country. And... They had committed atrocities and from all intents and purposes. But God has given him this message and God needed Jonah to deliver this message. So there was a purpose. And there's a purpose in the stuff that he instructs you and I to do all the time. But we have to choose, right? We have to choose this. When we run with God, it's also a road of discovered potential. It's much easier it's much easier for me at times to see the potential in other people's lives than it is sometimes my own. Have you ever noticed that? It's easy for you to see what a family member or a congregant is, is capable of. You see God at work in their lives in ways that they don't even see it yet. Um, I know 24 years ago, I was a chief financial officer of a textile company, and I'm going to tell you, no one. No one but God saw the potential to be a pastor in my life. No one. Not me, not my wife, not even the people that we have been a part of a, a, a church with for a long time. They didn't see that, but God saw it. He had to take me on a road of discovery. I would tell you that six years ago, before we started East Lincoln five years ago, I would tell you that no one saw the potential in me to be a campus pastor 
it, it wasn't visible. A great executive pastor, a great administrative pastor, everybody saw that. But the idea that to lead a campus uh, on a Sunday morning and all those kind of things, no one saw that. And, and I'll be honest with you, especially Pastor Farrell, and especially my beautiful wife. Those two people, more than anybody else, didn't see it. At one point, Susan told me, I don't know what you've been smoking, but that ain't God. <laughs> but sometimes we discover potential that we don't know. And I would tell you this, that three years ago, three years ago, I didn't see potential in me that somehow I would be preaching every week. I mean, I preached some. I'd even gotten to where I preached every other week, but to preach every week? I, I didn't see that in me. Others didn't see that. But I'm going to tell you, along this path, as God has said, and now I want you to go here, and I want you to do this, it's been a road of discovered potential in my life. And I believe it's a road of discovered potential in other people's lives as we obey and walk and run with the Lord rather than disobey and try to go the other way. Joshua 1 says this, if we're strong and courageous, if we're careful to obey God's laws, if we'll stay the course and don't turn from one side to the other, if we'll keep the book of the law, if we'll meditate on it day and night, then we'll be prosperous and we'll be successful. And it's really similar to what's said in Psalm, 1, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. He says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on the, his law day and night. That person will be like a tree planted by streams, of water, which will yield a fruit in their season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. See, I can, I can tell you that this has been me. So how many of you, you would say that over time, you have actually discovered potential either about yourself or your kids or your grandkids or someone that you didn't initially see, but down the road, you saw it. Yes? Why? But because there's discovered potential in all of us as we obey the Lord, as we walk with Him, as we run the road with Him, there's this potential. So finally, there's this. When we run the road with God, it is a road of a transformed life. Romans chapter 12 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And it's a good, a pleasing, and a perfect will. Again, I can personally attest to this. As I've been obedient to him, as I'm obedient to his work and his requests and his invitations and the things that the Lord has asked me to do, I have seen my mind transform. I've seen my personality transform. I have seen my career transform. 
I have seen my relationships transform. I have seen my children transform. I've seen other situations transform. Why? Because I'm on a road of a transformed life as I obey the Lord. As I'm obeying and stepping out in this place he's asking me to go, there's a transformation that's taking place in me spiritually as I discover these things that God wants to do in and through me. I can honestly say this. I have lived transformed the person and I have lived a transformed life what I have seen because of it. See, the greatest blessing, and this is one of the last things we put in your notes, the greatest blessing of obedience to God is that it opens the way for God to work in and through our lives to do more than we would ever think possible. In our obedience, we mature, we grow, we gain experience, we gain understanding. So when God invites us, and he will, may we find ourselves running to God and not from God. See, the God who made us, the God who created salvation, the God who desires a relationship with us, he is always working. The Bible says that he doesn't sleep. He doesn't even get tired, it says. He's always at work. The Word says that Jesus, so that's the Father. The Word says that Jesus is ever, ever means always at the right hand of the Father making intercession. He's not stopping what he does either. They're always at work. And the Word says that he has sent the Holy Spirit to us here, right, to lead us into all truth, to bring us all comfort, to empower us at all times. Who? Americans only? No. So it's not confined to North America, right? It's the world. It's globe. The Holy Spirit is constantly working 24-7. So now we see that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all constantly at work in us. The question is, is are we going to work with them? When they ask, when they instruct, when they invite us into the God's work, it really comes down to a choice. We have the same choice as Jonah. Are we going to obey? Or are we going to run? I'm convinced this. That God is continually inviting you and I into his work of redemption. Every day. You and I have the choice as to how we're going to participate, how we're going to respond. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Holy Spirit, I ask that you would talk to us. like these the Holy Spirit is talking to us for a couple of things 
One, I think he allows us to see times when we've chosen to run and do our own thing. And he reminds us of how that went. times he reminds us of things that he has asked us to do that maybe we've even forgotten about. Maybe we so pushed it off and so tried to go the other direction that we've forgotten about it. that we would be not only obedient to the Lord, but I specifically want to pray. If there's anyone here this morning and you would be in one of those places like you realize, I'm at a place where I realize there's some things that the Lord has asked me to do. And for various reasons, I've chosen not to. If that's you this morning, I want to pray with you as we conclude. That's you. Would you just raise your hand and put it back down? Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, that, uh, Lord, even in the midst of God, you're constantly at work and you're constantly speaking to us, inviting us into your work. Lord, I pray that, um, God, that you would continue to do that. God, that you would continue to invite us into, God, how we can be a part of how you might bring redemption and restoration to others. Lord, even potentially to people we don't like. Lord, potentially to some people that have at times harmed us, wounded us, attacked us, offended us. Lord, I pray that when those especially occur, God, I pray that you would use us. God, that you would remind us of Jonah's story that it wasn't about a man who just didn't want to do what God wanted him to do it wasn't just about a man who got swallowed by a well and spit back up one day but God there was a story of redemption that you were at work in and Jonah had to work through his own thoughts his own attitudes or to find himself in, you know the ability to obey God, I pray you'd help us to do that. Lord, I pray this week, God, that as we head off and do other things, God, I pray that we would go in your power and your might. And God, I pray that you'd open doors for us to be your voice, your hands of love. And we pray this today in Christ's name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.